I'm not here to listen to what you have to say. No, ladies and gentlemen, that's not me speaking to you. I was just quoting the words of Judge Arthur Engeron. Now, for those of you who haven't followed the news and don't know who Judge Arthur Engeron is, he is the judge that is presiding over the trial in Manhattan that has been initiated against Donald Trump by New York State Attorney uh, General Letitia James, seeking to get Trump and his organization fined $250 million and having his license to do business or his ability to do business in New York State revoked under the specious and fallacious argument that Trump obtained favorable loans by overvaluing his property, his real estate holdings, and therefore overstating his wealth. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of the Jamie Dury Show podcast. We thought we'd give you a quick shout out this Saturday night before you head out, maybe while you're riding to where you're going to go, or when you're on the way back if you're out for an early dinner. If you have not already subscribed to the show, please do so. You can do so in one of several easy ways. Either go to the Google Play Store or the iTunes App Store, search the Podbean app, which is our hosting service, search out the Jamie Dury Show and subscribe, or simply use your native podcast aggregator app, uh, either on the Google device you use or the iPhone device, and search out the Jamie Dury Show and subscribe that way. Whichever way you subscribe, you'll be able to leave reviews, comments. We need more of both. Please give us a five-star review. We make an effort to give you a good show. And of course, you can always contact me through email at jamiedury1776 at gmail.com if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, a question you'd like me to answer, or anything else you'd like me to explore. So Judge Arthur Engeron, in this trial, is the sole trier of fact and law. This is a non-jury trial. And I haven't followed it from the very beginning to look at the nuances as to why there was not a civil trial, uh, not a, a jury trial here. I guess because the state is going after him unilaterally in a civil matter and there's no uh, plaintiff, so to speak, and uh, defendant or the defendant is Trump. But regardless... In most trials, when you have a jury, the judge is the finder of law. He answers legal questions, and the jury is the finder of fact. Here, Judge Engeron is wearing both hats, and he is so prejudiced against Donald Trump that before the trial even began, he granted a summary judgment motion stating that President Trump Trump's uh, organization did, in fact, engage in fraud, which almost makes the trial moot. What was the purpose of the trial? Now, it would seem to me that when you're dealing with a judge who's already found by summary judgment that you're guilty, I don't know why you're having a trial and what you could possibly do to persuade him. Obviously, he's been pre-committed on this. But I think it would have been interesting for the judge to hear everything that Donald Trump had to say, because there are people in the press that are following this trial. And when the president makes a compelling case for why his properties are valued as they are, it might give the judge a moment of pause and give people a moment of pause to ask, what's really going on here? Why is the man being prosecuted? For instance, before the trial began, Judge Engeron automatically concluded that Mar-a-Lago, one of the jewels of President Trump's holdings in his real estate empire, 
was only worth $18 million. Now, how did he come up with this arbitrary, apparently, figure? Well, it wasn't all arbitrary. What he did, though, was wrongfully use the value that the state of Florida placed on that property for the purposes of property tax evaluation. Now, anybody that owns a home, be it in New York or Florida, any place else, knows that very often your holding, your real estate, your home, your house, is not for the purposes of levying property taxes, assigned the same value that you could get for that home if you sold it on the open market. So the state of Florida values Mar-a-Lago at $18 million because that is the number they use to base the real estate that the owner of that property would have to pay. Just like your home could be assessed at $160,000 for real estate purposes, when in fact your home may be worth a half a million dollars, but you pay taxes on the assessed value that they do. And I think this is only fair because uh, some people buying homes many, many years ago, if they were suddenly paying taxes on what they could actually realize for sale in the home in the, uh, in the private market, uh, some elderly people would probably have to wind up selling their homes just to be able to pay the tax. They couldn't afford it. So you can't tax a home as if the people who are currently living in it have an income stream that would allow them to buy it with that home on the market today, because you can't. It doesn't work that way. Now, most people know that Mar-a-Lago is valued anywhere between a billion and a billion and a half dollars. Now, in the, in the final analysis, it doesn't really matter what value President Trump puts on his property or his organization puts on his properties or his holdings, because the lender, be it a private person or be it a bank, they're out to protect their interest. So notwithstanding representations that you make, they conduct their own separate evaluation. All of the banks that have lent President Trump money have all said, we're good, we're fine. We did our own value of the property. We believe everything is on the up and up. We granted him our loans based on how we value the property, not how Mr. Trump values the property. We've been paid back in a timely fashion. We don't feel defrauded in any way. So who is it for the attorney general? I mean, who is she to suddenly decide for the lenders that they've been defrauded and that Mr. Trump received favorable loan rates because he he, he, uh, exaggerated or inflated the value of his business? The lending institutions that gave him the money on the strength of those holdings don't feel that way. They don't feel they've been defrauded. So how is this case going forward? So when you hear people talk about um, fascist President Trump, uh, a threat to our democracy, these are the real threats to our democracy. These rubber stamp trials in which the finder of fact doesn't want to hear anything from the man he's sitting in judgment of, who's on the stand trying to defend himself. And I think Trump, I give him credit for having the, 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 the chutzpah, the balls, to call the judge on it right from the witness stand, not worrying about getting a disfavorable ruling from the judge, because he already knows the judge is pre-committed. So why let him get away with it? Why not go down with all flags flying? And Because in all honesty, if this gets before any reasonable appellate court, 
They're going to overturn this because this cannot stand. If this decision is allowed to stand as a precedent, no one can do business in the state of New York anymore. Everyone is subject to being called before the court by the attorney general for misrepresentation of property value. So this is the type of nonsense that's going on in New York. The other thing that's going on in New York, in, in the United States, I wanted to really make this a focus today for a few minutes about the Democratic Party. There are people that have been sitting in federal prison ever since their arrest in connection with the January 6th protest that broke into the Capitol. Mind you, no one who broke in had a gun. No one had any weapons with which to overthrow our democracy, as the Democrats like to fancifully put it. The only person who was shot and killed was Ashley Babbitt, and as I've explained many times on this program, uh, having been someone who's in the know about the use of deadly physical force and know what the laws are in New York State and similarly in the federal system, there wasn't a single act that Ashley Babbitt committed or was accused of committing that would have justified the application of deadly physical force in that case. That was clear, out-and-out murder, and that lieutenant is a coward, and he should be tried. And this is coming from a man who goes out of his way to defend the police, because I believe a great deal of latitude should be given to them. I saw those films. There's no latitude should be granted this man. Yet, these people are sitting in federal prison, no charges, and they can't get out, and they haven't even been charged. What happened to the right to a speedy trial? January 6th was January of 2021. It is now November of 2023. I don't see a speedy trial. What is their intention just to keep these people in jail interminably? And if they get found not guilty or these things get thrown out, where do they go to get their, to get their time back? How do they made whole when their lives have been destroyed and the lives of their family have been destroyed? This is not a just, compassionate government. This is a totalitarian government. This is what they do in China. This is what they do in Cuba. This is what they do in Venezuela. This is what they do in Soviet Russia. We don't do this in the United States of America. But to show you how extremist these people are, this is not something that is exclusive just to people who are not Democrats. The Democrats will go after their own friends if they have to. They'll go after their own party if they wish to, and they have. They've gone after Eric Adams. And I have a little uh, article here, which we're going to bring up. I had it before, but uh, it seems to have moved around. No, here it is. Let's see. Ah, here we are. I have it. Now, those of you who have been following the news may be familiar with the name of um, Brianna Suggs. Now, Brianna Suggs is one of Mayor Eric Adams' chief political consultants. Now, there was an FBI raid on her home last week. And after the raid, Eric Adams came out, was right in front of it, saying he felt very comfortable about they're going to comply, haven't done anything wrong, we're going to comply with the um, with any federal investigation that goes on here, and he believes that Ms. Suggs is a real professional and that he's going to keep her on his team for the 2025 election. 
And then he went on to further state that, quote, I am outraged and angry if anyone attempted to use the campaign to manipulate our democracy and defraud our campaign. I want to be clear. I have no knowledge, direct or otherwise, of any improper fundraising activity and certainly not of any foreign money. Now, this case will be prosecuted, if it is prosecuted, in the Southern District of New York, which is a very, very aggressive office and has a reputation for in, in, in enveloping themselves or in engaging in um, very, very questionable political prosecutions. They have no comment. The FBI has not made any details of the investigation public, uh, although it is speculated that uh, Mr. Adams' campaign may have had possible ties to the Turkish government. They grabbed the, ma- the mayor after uh, an event that he was at, and they seized his phone and other devices. Uh, and apparently, after the raid on Miss Sugg's home, certain media outlets reported that there was a relationship between the campaign of Eric Adams and a Brooklyn-based construction company by the name of KSK that supposedly had ties to Turkey, and that this relationship is at the center of the probe. Now, my question is this. I'm all for investigating corruption, uh, but typically, typically, the Democratic Party never investigates corruption when committed by its own people. They never do. Sometimes they're not even investigated. They seem to walk on water. So why are they going after Eric Adams and people associated with him? Well, because Eric Adams has become a little bit miffed at his city being overrun by illegal immigrants. Now, I don't think he has a bitch because the American, the Democratic Party has been the one that wants the border open. And the people in the border states like Texas, like Arizona, like New Mexico, people who own property that borders Mexico, they're getting a little tired of having their fences ripped down, being told there's nothing they can do about it. They can't prosecute anyone. They can't arrest anyone. And the people in those states, red as they usually are, they don't want these illegal immigrants here. They recognize they're violating federal law. So if you people in the North think that we should leave the border open and you want these people to come into the country, fine. Why don't you see how you like it when they're in your city? And that's been the very reasonable response of these people on the border states who don't want this, and they've sent them up to New York because the plan here is to completely undermine American democracy by flooding people in this country that want to continue to vote for people who will give them access to other people's money. They want to vote for Santa Claus. But you say, oh, Jamie, what are you talking about? These people are illegal. They can't vote. Well, in theory, they can't vote. But what's happening in many of these democratically run cities and towns is that anybody who goes to a government office to apply for social services are automatically being registered by these agencies to vote. Nobody is checking to see if their citizens are even allowed to vote. And these people are voting. Now, they're illegal. One, they don't belong here. Two, they're not citizens, and therefore they cannot vote. And this is an attempt to change the electoral map of this country. They would prefer these people stay in red states so that they could 
tip those states blue. But now you see one of the geniuses of the founding fathers with the Electoral College. Because by having the Electoral College, even if a state like California and a state like New York flood the voting and the popular vote to make it look like one candidate is much more popular than another with illegal votes, it doesn't matter because no matter how many illegal votes are cast in the state, when the state is won, they can't assign any more than the electoral total to the person who's won the state. So they can only erode the election so far. Uh, But that's what's happening. So this is where the disruption is. But people are beginning to see this. People are beginning to see these selective prosecutions against the president for what they are. People are beginning to see this attempt to prioritize the health and well-being of illegal immigrants over and above that of the interests of legitimate American citizens, like the people in Hawaii who lost their homes in that disaster a few months back and were given $700 by the Biden administration and then told to go pound sand. What the hell are you supposed to do with $700 when you've lost your whole world? Meanwhile, welfare uh, recipients are getting freebies. Illegal immigrants are getting 2000 a month coming across the border, fo- cell phones, cards, Ukraine gets all the aid they want, but these people get $700 and they've lost their whole world. But people are beginning to see it, and they're beginning to see it in a very big way. The other night, there was a um, presidential debate in Florida, and you saw just how non-sequitur many of them are, because they're so far behind President Trump, it's not even funny. Trump now has about a 50 percentage point lead over his nearest opponent, and that's Ron DeSantis, who has increasingly seemed to be losing steam. People, I told you he doesn't have the gravitas. He doesn't have what it takes to hold up to withering criticism on the national stage. He was a fine governor in Florida, and you'll never see me say that he wasn't. But he's got a largely conservative electorate, and he's got a largely conservative legislature. So he's able to do these things. If he was up against... Uh, all manner of opposition like Trump was on the national stage. I don't think he would have been anywhere near as successful as Trump. An audience of Hispanics exceeding 10,000 showed up the same night of the debate to watch Donald Trump in Hialeah, a rally. Now, this is a very unusual town because it's in Dade, Miami-Dade County, which is usually a Democratic stronghold. But this particular town is a Republican stronghold. And what's even more enlightening and encouraging is that 96% of the 220,000 people who live there are Hispanic, and yet it's a Republican stronghold. And they turned out in droves to listen to President Trump. And if it were the case that Hialeah was an outlier, and just a single thing, maybe the Democrats wouldn't be as worried. But I think they are getting worried because it looks like Hialeah might just not be an isolated case. Polls show rising percentages of minorities, I'm quoting from an article here, including Hispanics, shifting toward President Trump. Even the New York Times this week, in a New York Times Siena College poll, reported 43% support for President Trump among Hispanics in the six battleground states. That's 14% higher (coughs) than it was in 2016. Elmer Melendez, 41 of Hialeah, told the Epic Times that some fellow Hispanics keep their allegiance uh, 
to President Trump's secret because they want to avoid conflict. But Mr. Melendez said he proudly wears a hat with MAGA on it, short for President Trump's Make Make America Great Again slogan. Melendez said, we see in Cuba how the communist regime says you can't speak. He's, his father was from Cuba. He's, but no, I'm going to express my freedom of speech here in America, whatever it is. And he's, by all accounts, an average Joe, a married father of two children, likes President Trump's policies on the economy and immigration, and believes that the protection of our people, our people do come first. And he puts full blame on Joe Biden for allowing an influx of illegal immigrants and for enacting policies that hiked inflation. Mr. Melendez is an entrepreneur. He owns several buildings. The cost of improving them has increased dramatically. He paid 15000 to renovate one building about a year ago, and now a comparable project that he's planning this year is going to cost 40000 People can't deal with it anymore. They can't deal with it. It's crushing them. But people realize it. And now pressure is building on Joe Biden to bail out and not run because they realize he cannot win. He is one of the most unpopular men in America. No one now believes that President Biden won that debate unless they're a dyed-in-the-wool idiot Democrat. You just cannot believe that people voted for this idiot. They did not. And each passing month, we get more incidents where we're learning about voter fraud, even in Arizona, even in Arizona, in the 2022 election, forget even the 2020 election, but it's still going on. In the 2022 election, Governor Hobbs' own election task force says that she engaged in voter suppression. She hired a task force. And that task force concluded that then-Secretary of State Hobbs engaged in election interference in 2022 by preventing Arizonans from voting while running her own election for governor. We also know that there were millions of votes cast in these paper ballots where only the presidential election was checked off because they were printed that way. Nobody voted for them. Do you know that Joe Frazier, the former heavyweight champion of the world, voted in the 2020 presidential election? The only problem is he'd been dead for 12 years at the time, and I would love to have seen who he voted for. I haven't been able to find out because Joe Frazier was a registered Republican. So I would love to have seen who he voted for in this 2020 election. But this is the sort of chicanery that's going on, and it's being perpetrated by the very people that want to tell you that the other side is the one that's trying to assault our democracy and overthrow our democracy, when all we're trying to do is preserve that democracy so it's here for a future generation. Don't buy into the BS, ladies and gentlemen. Read for yourselves. Listen for yourselves. I encourage you to listen to alternative media. Don't be sucked in by CNN, MSNBC. You're going to get the same tired line, and increasingly you're going to get the same tired line from Fox News. If you want to get a different perspective, start listening to Newsmax. I'm not saying that you can't listen to CNN if you want, but don't just listen to CNN. I'm not saying you can't read the New York Times if you want, but don't just read the New York Times. Listen to Newsmax. Listen to talk radio. Listen to other people, give their perspective on the same events, and see what rings true to your common sense 
mind. Don't buy into everything you're hearing in the monolithic left-wing mainstream media. You owe it to yourself, you owe it to your future, and you owe it to your family. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll be back Monday. For The Jamie Dury Show, I'm Jamie Dury. Thank you.